I, Bobby G. Seale, have a motion pro se to defend myself. I'd like to invoke the precedent of Adams versus U.S. X. Rel. McCann, where the Supreme Court... All right, that's enough. Where are you learning these things? Does your young friend, Mr. Hampton, have a background in law? Your Honor, the other defendants would like to join in Mr. Seale's motion. Are you now speaking on behalf of Mr. Seale? No, Your Honor, I'm speaking on behalf of the other defendants. You're standing right next to him. Why don't you just represent him? Because I'm not his lawyer, sir. If I understand Mr. Seal, this last month and a half, and I believe I have, he is not represented by counsel. Overruled. I am being denied Mr. right Seale, now my constitutional will you be right for will legal you, representation. Will you be quiet? You have lawyers to speak for you. No, he doesn't. Hi, this is And the Oscar Doesn't Go To. I'm Sam Meltzer, and on this podcast, a guest and myself will be discussing the films that received Best Picture nominations, yet not only failed to win that award, but didn't take home any trophies on Oscar night. Today, I'm going to be joined by Nate, who is extremely excited for Rachel Ziegler's performance in the upcoming West Side Story remake, and is currently campaigning Luca and Coda for the 2022 Oscars. So, welcome. Hi, Sam. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and damn straight, I will be campaigning Coda and Luca. Yes. Today, we'll be, we will be discussing Aaron Sorkin's The Trial of the Chicago 7, released in 2020, which got six nominations. So what about this film compelled you to choose it? Why, out of all the films on this list, was this the one that you wanted to discuss? Well, for one, Lady Bird had been selected. So uh, I was like, okay, which of these do I know? And I probably knew one or two more. But I was like, okay, the recent one and one I can rant about, that's fun. So you you wanted to discuss it because you wanted to shit on it? Kind of, yeah. That yeah. that could be that could be one. Yeah. Um and, and you know, obviously it got shut out, and I know you were very, very happy about that when that happened. Very excited, yes. That was a great, great moment when Sound of Metal one editing and then I was like it's not winning anything yeah that that was the moment I was a little we'll get into this later but I was a little worried I predicted Sound of Metal but I didn't know it was kind of ambiguous but they didn't Mm -hmm. they really didn't go for this movie and we'll get into that later but basically the way this film opens up it's 1968 what what am I saying and we're hearing and seeing this montage of basically the climate and situations that are currently going on about the Vietnam War and how this group of men um, want to protest against it and they want to testify in court and they don't want to get arrested but of course they end up getting sent to jail for five months and the film explores the whole trial after this period of time. The story itself isn't very detailed. Um, It's mostly takes place in one room. There are few outburst scenes there are a few planning scenes that you see outside of it but for the most part you do see this trial and this case and why these people are here the group are I'm just going to go through all the names Abby Hoffman Tom Hayden Jerry Rubin David Dellinger Rennie Davis Lee Wiener John Freund and Bobby Seal so they try to incite a riot and again most of the film focuses on the trial itself and the attacks that went on during the trial and before the trial so what about the setup did you like or did you not like? 
I actually liked the setup. Like, while rewatching, the opening seems good. Like, I mean, it's overwritten, but the whole movie's overwritten. So, it, you know, at least it's kind of fun. Uh, and it, it's fast-paced, and it, like, it introduces all the characters. And that was sweet. Like, I liked that. And then afterwards, it just kind of descends into, I would rather be doing anything else. <laughs> yeah, I have to say, I think the opening really establishes the fact that you're watching a film written by Aaron Sorkin. And it really wants you to know that you're watching a film written by Aaron Sorkin. Yes, it's it's so Sorkin-y. Yes, for sure. I, so you get this whole montage of, people talking on the news and you you're introduced briefly to all the characters and that they're going to protest no matter what and that they're going to go to Chicago and protest and they're going to fight for it but they don't want it to be violent of course that doesn't happen um yeah you you see there is an interesting aspect of it of a man saying that all the people born on this day need to go fight in the war and you see people respond to that and I liked that little moment but of course that's only shown for about three seconds and we're not really introduced to any of that thematically for the rest of the film. I do like the way that the opening scene is edited. It's smooth and it is able to showcase all these different perspectives who are fighting for the same thing fairly quickly. So I like what he does with regards to opening the film, the upbeat tone of it, the smooth style of it, the fast editing, the dialogue, it, it all works together really well. It creates this nice little montage. I wouldn't say it's too promising. It's it's not like it got me so excited, but I was like, okay, this is this is interesting. The first time I watched it, I was like, yeah, this is a nice little introduction to our story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very similar thoughts on the draft portion of it. That was interesting that they were like calling specific birthdays and they were like, everyone born on this day. Yeah. Uh, but you're right in the way that it felt like it just kind of breathed over that and there wasn't enough emphasis on that in a way. Because I thought that was interesting. And then I just don't, it was something I noticed particularly, I mean, I always notice this, but particularly upon rewatch, is that it's such an empty movie in the way that it should be saying a lot. And it's kind of just like Aaron Sorkin bragging about how good a screenwriter he is for two hours. It's like, okay, dude, we get it. Yeah, I think it's saying a lot, but it's also not saying a lot. Because when you say a lot, you're enforcing a lot. And the point comes across too easily. And I didn't feel that Sorkin handled anything in this film thematically in a subtle way. Whereas, obviously, it's about a court case and people have to bring up topics and themes blatantly. But he does it so much that it gets kind of concerning. Yeah, I think that, I mean, going uh, going sort of into the whole, uh, it was, you know, it's an empty movie. Everything about it feels so uninspired in like certain events should be impactful, especially, you know, we just discussed, uh, you know, the portion where they're calling the draft. And these are moments that should be so interesting and you should be like astounded by how insane this judge is. But it all just sort of like breezes through because for one, it's poorly staged, I think. I mean, this has been talked about, but he's, he's not a great director. Yeah, I think he's able to direct actors, but in the way that 
he knows that the script is doing everything for them. You have movies like The Graduate. I just watched a video essay on it. I know this is like my favorite movie and everyone's rolling their eyes so far that their eyes go behind their head. But the way that that film utilizes its actors and its script is really smart because the actors make a very subtle use of the script and build off of the character on their own. Whereas this, I feel like Sorkin is kind of putting up the camera and saying, you know what? You know how amazing my script is. Speak my lines. And he doesn't really do anything interesting with his directorial efforts, which is why I think you think the film is so empty because he isn't enforcing anything intriguing or striking that doesn't allow the actors to have breathing room. It doesn't allow them to do anything unique. And I think it's, I don't know if I'm gonna say problematic, but it just feels empty because he isn't getting anything out of it. He's just heavily relying on the fact that he has famous actors and talented actors there. And he has a script that he thinks is absolutely incredible. So I totally agree with you in the sense that this film is empty, especially in, in the sense of the way it's directed. Mm -hmm. And I think that uh, he could have walked away from the camera because it's just stationary. And sometimes the cinematography in particular, how did this get a cinematography nomination? That's insane. Uh, <laughs> and it, it's just a little off. And it's like, I can see you were trying to do something interesting here with the way it moves. But, you know, this is why I'm worried about being the Ricardos for next year, because he's kind of stabbing himself in the foot by directing all of his films, which could otherwise be gen, gen, generally well-received. I mean, I guess it was generally well-received trial, but, you, you know, there were definitely people who were like, you know, there are, everyone sort of had an issue with his directing. And I think, you know, if he let someone else, I mean, he wrote The Social Network and Fincher did a great job with that. Uh, and if he, I think he needs to realize it's kind of smug of him to keep on directing his movies. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree with you. I think not only The Social Network, but I really liked Steve Jobs. I thought that his writing adds a lot to a director who can emote well. And the problem with Aaron Sorkin as a director, that I, the biggest problem that I have with him as a director is that the emotion isn't handled well. If you look at Molly's Game, which I saw maybe- which I liked. Yeah, I liked it. I've never loved it. I never was dumbfounded by it. I always thought it was just a pretty good film. But I always thought that there was something bland about it and that it was too long and relies heavily on narration. And I realized that he thinks his writing is so good, one, that he can tell the story without using as many visuals as he could. And two, that it's bland looking because of the way he directs. It isn't because of the story. So with Trial, I feel like he got the critical praise that he received from Molly's Game and feeded that into his ego and really didn't direct this film as much as he could have or as strikingly as he could have? That makes sense. Yeah, I think because the story is very interesting. Like it's a very interesting story that can be, I think can be really impactful. And, you know, I don't think his screenplay is terrible. I think, I don't think it's a good screenplay just because I think there are so many, his dialogue is becoming too recognizable. 
And I think he needs to realize that because there are too many moments. Like there's this one line, like they, they try to make fun of the names where it's like the judge keeps pronouncing the names incorrectly. And it's like, this isn't that funny, dude. Uh, and there's, there's one line early on where he's like, this one character is like, as far as I'm concerned, this is the Academy Awards of uh, of trials, and this is, and it's just an honor to be nominated. And it's like, okay, who would say this? <laughs> like in a moment where they're about to, <laughs> it's, it's such an odd line to be thrown out there, and it's it should be really electrifying, and it just feels so like like he just sort of made. I don't want to say cash grab because I I think he genuinely made this. He cared about it, but it doesn't feel that way. Mm -hmm. Adding on to what you said about his dialogue, I've never been a big fan of his writing. I like The Social Network. I think it's a good film. I never Mm -hmm. thought of it as best of decade or even close to that as everyone puts it. Yeah, like everyone's like, oh, this is the best movie I've ever seen. I'm like, "Eh, okay, it's good. But the reason why I think that film works is because the character himself is a literal robot and doesn't showcase emotion and has difficulties with that. So Sorkin is able to have this fast one-liner guy who Jesse Eisenberg is really well suited for. I think the casting was great. And I think Sorkin wrote that script so well because the story doesn't require as emotion as something about a trial case. So if you're comparing the two movies, it, it seems weird because... I'm not saying you directly. I'm saying like in general, if you compare the two movies just because he wrote them, I feel like it's odd because they're so different in the way they handle their characters and the way they handle their main character specifically. So I've always been a little mixed on the way he writes films. I've always thought, as you said, very recognizable, very robotic, very straightforward. He really wants you to know that he's writing a script and he loves the fact that he's writing dialogue. So I agree. I, I have a problem with the way he writes. And sometimes his one-liners just annoy me. Mm-hmm. And, but the thing is, like, in Molly's game, there are lines that I recognize, that I remember. In the social network, there are, like, obviously very famous scenes. <laughs> the one with Andrew Garfield, like, throwing the computer on the table. That's a well-known famous scene where with trial can anyone remember is it like an insanely quotable movie if you don't write some of the highlights down i mean it's a dialogue you know fast-paced movie but is it that memorable in the way it handles certain things yeah i agree with you i think this ties in well to my point about what it's trying to critique obviously the judicial system is a big one so frank langella plays julius hoffman and of course Sorkin had to have the audacity to have this moment where, because Abby Hoffman and Julius Hoffman have the same last name. Yeah. Yeah, like, God. I'm sorry, that wasn't funny. Like, it's a common last name. Like, why are you trying to make a big thing out of this? Mm-hmm. Anyways, it's, of course, trying to critique the judicial system. And I think it does that. I don't think it does a yeah. bad job doing that. I think it's apparent, but almost too much so. He's this really harsh and biased judge who you're supposed to really hate. But the theme doesn't come across as well as it would have if it were handled more quietly because the judge is so in your face. And while I wouldn't say he's hatred, he's very forceful and he has this aura that's very commanding and menacing. 
So it definitely does get the point across. I'm not saying it fails to do that, but it would be more clever and it would be more cinematically nuanced if he wasn't so fiery and snappy about it. And I could be wrong here. Maybe he was very mean and so in your face about everything. Maybe this is a perfect portrayal of him and I'm just shaking in my boots here. But Mm -hmm. I don't think that's the case. It seems a little forced and exaggerated. Yeah, and going back to what you said about, you know, you're supposed to hate the judge. I mean, I don't, I certainly dislike the judge, but there was never a scene where I was like burning hatred for, I mean, obviously I don't, he's bad, but the movie needed to get you to like gasp and be like, and be like, oh my God, this judge. And instead you're just sitting there like, okay, this guy is very bad. And you're supposed to, I think you're supposed to have a reaction to how ridiculous he's being and in real life like if the trial was happening and if you were reading about it because it did obviously you would but with this movie I mean I know I keep saying it's empty and uninspired but that's just what it is and it and it should be getting across so much and it doesn't which is why it was my and it's trying to win awards like so painfully trying to win awards and it didn't it did not win a, a single Oscar which is why we are here Yes, <laughs> it is over here. Um, I think that there are judges in films that do make me have a reaction mm-hmm. that have been a lot quieter than this. One of my favorite films is Kramer versus Kramer, and that's not a trial oh, film yeah. necessarily. It isn't focusing entirely. There's a good 20, 30 minute segment of it that focuses on the trial between Dustin Hoffman and Meryl Streep, where there, you don't like Meryl Streep's judge, but the film isn't trying to get you to hate the judge. You just don't like the judge because you're rooting for Dustin Hoffman's character in this situation. And he's bringing up points that connect to the story prior that work really well emotionally. This Frank Langella's character doesn't make me feel mad inside. He, I don't hate the character as much as I feel like I should. And he is he is good in the role. I, I really like Frank Langella as an actor. I've seen his movies since the 70s. And I think he is a talented person. He's able to have that aggressive tone really well. And he does it fairly well in this film. I just don't think that the character is subtle enough to enforce the point as well as it could. But again, it does get the point across. It just does so in a forceful way. Yeah, and Lancelot is maybe my favorite in the movie, just because he, I mean, he's, I don't find the jokes funny, but I think the the way he delivers the sort of kind of jokes are good. He's not very loud, but, you know, you know, he's, you know, again, Sorkin's script and his, particularly his directing, again, didn't make me hate him the way I should have, but I think he did a good job being a sort of despisable figure and I think that he deserves the nomination over Sasha Baron Cohen Mm -hmm. yeah we'll get into the Oscars later with some of the questions that people asked us but I agree I think Frank Langella was good in the film I think Mm -hmm. he utilized his screen time well was his role one note yes it was Mm -hmm. it isn't a character that has any layers at all but again every character in the film is kind of that way even though this is a real life event, they all sort of showcase one thing and only bring one thing to the table because it's mm-hmm. an ensemble film. But I've seen plenty of ensemble films that don't have that. They don't, that, that isn't the case. So yes, his performance 
just like all of them in the film, are fairly one note. But I thought it was enjoyable to watch. And I can tell that he was clearly passionate about the role and enjoyed himself while filming. So it's a good performance. I don't have that many complaints about it. Yeah, every time he's on screen or like delivers a line in a certain way, I'm like, okay, that's interesting. And there are moments where I like pop up and I'm like, that's kind of interesting. Why don't you explore it more? And they just don't. And I find that really annoying. Like, again, they're so brief and the stakes feel so low. And something I wanted to talk about that I noticed on my second watch and now like on this rewatch is that the structure is just not non-existent. Mm. Yeah, I I wouldn't say it's theatrical. It isn't mm. a stagey film. But I actually thought about this. I don't know if you'll agree with me or not. Do you think this film would have worked better as a limited series? Yes, like definitely. Yeah. Because there's so much to go over and I think it would have given the time. I mean, maybe written and directed. I don't know if Sorkin could do a limited series. Like maybe he could, but I think there are so many days. He did West Wing, which is a drama series. Oh, that's true. And I haven't seen that, but I hear it's great. Um, But yes, I think so because the days are just kind of very quickly passed over. And I'm like, I'm sure there's a little more in those days. Uh, you know, and then he ends the ending. <laughs> this has been talked about on such a weird, bizarre note where they all stand up and they're like, they just start reading the names of the dead and it's like, it's over. I mean, I'm glad, but y- you know. <laughs> yeah, it feels empty again. Mm-hmm. Um, regarding the limited series, it would be really good idea because he could explore one theme each episode. He could explore... Yeah, He could have a whole episode dedicated to the um, Fred Hampton segment. And he could have a whole episode dedicated to the Vietnam War and how they chose people to fight. Then it would have felt more structured. But as you said, the structure here, I don't know if it's non-existent. It just doesn't feel inherent, I think is what Mm -hmm. you're trying to say. It's very loose. It's sort of phoned in. Mm -hmm. It feels very phoned in. I mean... I'm, we're, we're kind of just repeating every word to describe en- empty and, uh, you, you know, uninspired. But that's, that is really what it is. As you say, like, it feels particularly as it goes along. Because when it starts out with the opening scene, it's like, okay, maybe you have something here. Like, when I was rewatching, I was like, is this not as bad as I thought it would be? But then it just descends into being a very boring but shouldn't be courtroom drama. Uh, where it's like, oh, this outrageous thing happened, and this outrageous thing happened, and you're like, all right, why do I not care? And I don't think he does a good job making any of the characters, as you say, they're all very one note. And Mm. they just feel kind of like puppets that Sorkin's just kind of like stringing along. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, I see what you're saying. I actually don't think this film is boring, I, oh. I it, it's a I know it's it's weird. I I I always thought this film was like flawed for other reasons. When it first mm-hmm. came out, I thought it looked boring. I don't think it's boring. I actually think there are times where it is fun. I think the dialogue is entertaining to hear, even if it isn't natural. But the one thing that surprised me is that I was never bored. It's a story that's easy to follow. It's very mainstream, very very mainstream, and. I think that's where the flaws come in, as you said. 
it's it's not like I finish it and think about it. It's a movie that in the moment I'm like, oh, this is kind of exciting. And you get to see all these historical facts, but thematically you don't take anything away. When I finished this movie, or when either of us, I assume, when we finished this movie, I didn't feel anything. I was just like, okay, I just watched a movie. And I don't like movies that do that. I think they're actually the worst kind. This isn't one of my least favorite films or even close to it. I don't hate it. No, but I wouldn't say that. There is something about movies that make you feel nothing rather than movies that are so bad that they make you feel angry. Like I'd rather watch a movie that makes me feel angry than a movie that makes me feel nothing. Oh yeah. I mean, this just, it's not, for me, it's not bad because it makes me mad. I kind of wanted it to make me mad upon this rewatch. Cause at least that would give me something to do. But it just feels, so, I'm, again, I'm repeating every word that can be used to describe uninspired, aimless, and I know I talked about the cinematography earlier, but something about it makes the characters feel just like not developed or explored. And obviously that has something to do with the writing, but the visuals in the film just like how did this get a cinematography nomination i don't understand mm, yeah i don't get it either you made a list on letterbox where you were <laughs> films that deserve cinematography nominations over this yeah oh gosh yeah i i I, mean, I i just remember i put it in on my predictions and i really really didn't want it to happen i wanted to be wrong so badly but I knew they were going to do it because, again, this wasn't a year where films campaigned in that category at all. Yeah. People weren't focused on this category. So, and again, I don't think it's ugly. It's not, like, atrocious to look at. It's just so nothing. It's so smooth yeah. and bluffy. It's not doing anything interesting with the way it looks. It's the biggest Oscar bait movie out of the nominees, like, by far. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a mm-hmm. film that really wants to win Best Picture. Really wants to, and came close. I, mm, I actually oh, think it was well, last. <laughs> early on, I think. Oh, yeah. With, like, the Golden Globes, I think it was probably second. Yeah, but after that, it was quickly debunked, and no yeah, one cared. After, after that. And yeah. it seems like, okay, maybe after Sag Ensemble, it's number two, but I think it was, like, seven or eight. Mm-hmm. I really think it was eight. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, I guess you could argue Mank was an Oscar bait movie, but it was at least, like, they knew it was boring. Like, I forget, but someone on the team's like, oh, yeah, this is a movie for, like, for cinephiles. And, like, they knew that wasn't going to be for everyone. This is such, like, a crowd-pleasing, easy movie that wants screenplay and wants editing and wants supporting actor and wants picture. Yeah, for sure. I remember, this is going to answer one of the questions later on. Um... But the reason why this film was expected to win Best Picture when it first came out, and I'd say the two months before it came out, was because, one, the Oscar players of 2020 were later. They didn't yeah. hit until later. And this was this and Mank were sort of the first ones. And when Mank came out, people were like, eh, it's probably going to get nominated, but I don't really care. I don't see a win here. A win was never going to happen. But with this, people mm-hmm. really liked it at first. I remember when it first came out, people loved it all over the place. It was surprising to me, considering that the hate it gets now, how many people really loved it when it first came out. 
I mean, it is like a low 3.7 on Letterboxd, which isn't terrible. Like, that's fine. But, uh, you know, maybe it's good. But it shows, like, for a, for a movie that got that, got that many Academy Award nominations, that's weird, right? Yeah, it, it, is it shows weird. that I think it's, like, trickled out over time. And this isn't totally related to the movie, but what you said about it and Mank, like, being early breakers and that's why they were considered the front runners i think this is and this is more tied into mank why amanda seyfried was considered the front runner for supporting actress because hillbilly hillbilly elegy reviews were bad and then it was like okay she's very good in this yeah which i think ties which i think ties into just people attaching to early uh early breakers and that's why this was such a big thing when it first came out Mm-hmm. It was the thing like movies like Sound of Metal and The Father didn't really hit at first at all. Yeah, they really hit towards the end, which is why they got so much buzz at the end. Trials buzz died down a lot throughout the season, and here's yeah, an interesting thing Golden that I noticed. yeah, after the Golden like... Globes, and I'd argue Mank too. Mank really it like yeah, it, and so did Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. All three of them declined throughout the award season, and this isn't this isn't a this isn't a con, um, coincidence. Netflix movies are forgotten. Roma. As Roma, 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 Roma was forgotten. I know a lot of people still love it. It's a beautiful movie. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. But when was the last time you saw a tweet or letterbox review about that movie? Yeah, like, it's it's been ages. Oscar bait movies that are early breakers have front runner fatigue, particularly ones from that. And I guess Roma is Teen Roma. But was Roma necessarily an Oscar bait movie? Eh, not really. But mm-hmm. it had that front runner t- fatigue that you said. Yeah. And, and, I, I, and think... I still predicted it to win Best Picture. I remember I, was, mm-hmm. I wasn't confident, but I did predict it to win because I knew mm-hmm. that Al- Alfonso Cuaron was going to win Best, Best Director. But again, I was like, is it going to be Green Book? Is it going to be Roma? I knew it was going to be one of the two. I just wasn't totally confident. But I knew that Trial wasn't going to happen or Mank. And you predicted uh, Green Book to win screenplay over The Favorite, which, God damn it. Uh, I knew that was going to happen. I knew that The Favorite. knew? I didn't. I knew that. I thought that The Favorite was going to win two acting Oscars. I really that thought... Was, you called that. I called Olivia Coleman, which I'm forever <laughs> proud of. I will never fail to brag about that moment. That was... <laughs> and it was so out of the blue, too. Like, this year, I, I get the comparison. This year, I was like, okay, Anthony Hopkins is winning, for sure. I knew he was going to win. The, that morning, I told my friend, there's no way he's losing. But with Olivia Coleman, I was like, you know what? Whatever. I'll just predict Olivia Coleman. Just whatever. It was so <laughs> loose, and I was so lucky that I predicted her. Yeah. You I, mean, I was your... still shocked when she won. <laughs> you wrote in your notes like "mwahahaha." <laughs> yeah, it yeah, it did. It it was shocking, but mm-hmm. a little sidetrack there. Going back to mm-hmm. Netflix films, they do have decline. The Irishman, yeah. The Irishman, perfect oh. example too. That own, at one point, win. that was expected to win everything, and I remember. I was so mad because I wanted Parasite so badly, but and um, then and then last minute, last minute sweep. The Irishman. I didn't predict it to win any Oscars, so it just goes to show that Netflix films decline. And I don't think we're ever going to have a movie that wins Best Picture from Netflix. That's a podcast for another day. 
but yeah, I can see it winning Best Director. But if you notice, no Netflix movie has won Best Actor or Best Actress either. So mm-hmm. they don't want to give the three most popular awards to a Netflix movie. And I've noticed that. And I feel like that's not going to change. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jane Campion is rubbing her hands right now. <laughs> yep. Yeah, they can do director. I think that can continue to happen. But I don't think picture. Yeah, exactly. I don't think they're going to do a picture or best actor or actress win for Netflix. All right. This is a tiny side note. But Penelope, she just won the actress prize at Menace. Yes, I'm so happy about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, but back to back to trial and Netflix movies and all that. Uh, yeah, I think that you know Ma Rainey was a predicted like top five even for picture like in you know October or November, uh, and it doesn't get nominated when it doesn't miss except for BAFTAs. But we were like, okay, it's not going to be top five at BAFTAs because they can only nominate five. So that was weird. Mm-hmm. Or, or I suppose it didn't get Golden Globes. But, you know, everywhere where it was like elsewhere it was expected, sort of, it got. Mm-hmm. I thought it was going to get nominated. Yeah. Looking back, though, like, I'm not surprised it wasn't. No. Something my mom said is that when we watched it, she was like, it was very good, but it's not really a film. <laughs> and I kind of get that feeling because it's a play. Is anyone going to call that their favorite movie of the year? No, that's that's what I was going to say. People were not putting it at number one. People were putting it at seven, eight, nine on their ballots. Yeah. And people were putting new breakers like The Father and Sound of Metal and Judas very high. So they weren't letting, like, they were like, oh, okay, like, I guess Maureen is getting nominated, but it wasn't my favorite. I'll still put it mm-hmm. in. So enough people did that, I assume. No one, whereas movies like Sound of Metal, I feel like there are particular branches of the Academy that were very passionate about it. But Ma mm-hmm. Rainey, the the love was sort of spread out more, which allowed it to miss. Yeah, and I think it and Miami were kind of a set. Like, they were, like, everyone's, like, they were next to each other on almost everyone's predictions. And is that why they miss? Because they're kind of similar movies, in a way. Well, in terms of theatrical. Yeah. And acting mm-hmm. showcases. The stories yeah, are it, obviously very different. But the way mm-hmm. that the films present themselves, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think, I mean, obviously One Night in Miami was an Amazon film. It wasn't an Amazon, yeah, it was an yeah. Amazon film, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Which but... also do not have great luck with the Academy. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I agree with you. I think Netflix films just as a whole, not only get forgotten, but the Academy is starting to recognize that and isn't wanting to reward them with Best Picture. Mm-hmm. Totally, totally, totally. Uh, and I mean, they'll reward it director and stuff and supporting actress, but are they not, are they never going to give it picture? I can't imagine that with the amount of Oscar films they're making that, that they're never going to give it picture. It all depends. It really just has to see how we play out. Cause obviously there are more Netflix movies now than there used, there was five years ago, five years ago. Like, yeah. saying that a Netflix movie was going to get nominated for Best Picture, people would laugh at you. But mm-hmm. I don't know about never. Good. I don't know about never, but I don't think it's going to happen. I, I personally just it. don't see it. They've denied it several times. 
yeah. you know, like every year it's like, oh, is this Netflix movie going to be a front runner? It's like, uh, uh, you know, Roma, Marriage Story slash The Irishman, uh, and this year Trial, and that did not happen. I remember when Marriage Story was predicted to win all four acting Oscars. All four? Even yeah. supporting actors? Yeah, I remember. Like for Ray Liotta or for uh, Alan Alda? Alan Alda, people thought all four of them would win. That's weird. I mean, they, they said it was it was going to break the network, a streetcar named Desire curse, and that it would actually win all four. No, no. <laughs> yeah, Alan, I mean, Alan Alda's very good, but I never saw him getting nominated. No, me neither. But the power Netflix has at first that dies down. at first, and at then first. it's and it's just you win one or zero Oscars, and it did. Dern did win, so I guess they were one fifth mm-hmm. right. Yeah. I think tying back to trial and <laughs> yeah, we gotta get back to that. I think the interesting thing looking now is that the script was written 15 years ago. So 15 maybe years ago? 15, it was written in 2007. That. that makes sense. It's, yes. I think I'm, I really don't want to say this. It may have done well at the 2007 Oscars. I it, absolutely and, agree. And here's the thing. Would it have won over No Country for Old Men and There Will Be Blood? Like, would that have happened? That that could have happened. That could have happened. Which is but, utterly oh, horrifying. Really horrifying, yep. Thankfully. Like, wait, would Sasha Baron Cohen have won over Javier Bardem? Like, would that have been a thing? That would be... They couldn't have done. No, no, no. no. But <laughs> Juno, original screenplay? Huh. Get that out of here. Trial would have won. Would have been gone. But again, Michael Clayton, which is a dialogue-driven film, did not win screenplay, and it didn't win picture. But again, that was a smaller movie, and it didn't... It wasn't a box office smash. I feel like The Trial of Chicago 7 would have made a lot of money 15 years ago. Yeah. Especially when it was supposed to come out. Uh... Uh, and something else, what did I want to bring up? Is that the editing is actually quite good. Yeah, it's fast. It certainly works for the yeah. tone. It's cutty. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I know he, I think he maybe, because did the social network win editing? Yeah, it won editing and score. Mm-hmm. I think, did they use the same editor? Because it feels weirdly similar. I can check. I don't. I don't okay. think so. I I don't pay attention to many film editors themselves. Yeah. The editor was no. The person who edited this edited Venom and oh. <laughs> Meet, Meet the Fockers. <laughs> That's interesting. <laughs> oh, they also edited. Okay, they also edited American Hustle and Molly's Game. And I see that. I definitely see that. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, I think it's less smart in terms of the techniques that it's using and the pacing yeah. that it's going for with the editing, but I see what you're saying. Mm-hmm. That actually kind of makes sense that it was written so long ago, because in a way, I thought it was like a script, like he had gotten full of himself, like he was just bragging, but maybe it was like earlier on, because if going by the logic that The Social Network and Molly's Game were written later, two movies I like much more, 
did he improve? What happened here? That's a good point. I've never thought about that relating to the time that it came out, but you really could be right on that, that this mm-hmm. was one of his first scripts. I haven't seen A Few Good Men, which was like his first major work. I really need to. It's one of the very few Best Picture nominees that I haven't seen, mm-hmm. but it's acclaimed and he had some films in the 90s and he had the west wing but it really makes sense that this would come out in the 2000s and it would have done very well it seems like you know how there had this there was a mini decline that we talked about how at first this movie got a lot of praise and then people didn't want it to win awards and then it got a lot of hate at the end i feel like if the trial of chicago 7 came out in 2007 it would have gotten so much praise for like a few years. And then Mm -hmm. after, like within the last few years, it would have gotten hate. It would have taken a lot longer. It would have been considered like a very low tier best picture winner if it had came out that year and then won. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I think it would have been considered like along with like the Oscar baiting movies that we we think we've gotten away from at this point. Mm -mm. (laughs) Nope, apparently not. Apparently not. Um, I mean, maybe. They're not winning as much. No, they're not winning as much, but they're still getting nominated. Although, when we when we all thought Moonlight was like, when it won, then Green Book won next year. So maybe it, 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 it just varies. Yeah, and then Parasite won the next year. So it's really like... It's insane. I mean, Nomadland's not really an Oscar no, movie. No, it isn't mm-hmm. Parasite in the sense that it wasn't even planned on entirely going to America which I think is yeah. crazy, but mm-hmm. it is, it, I mean, clearly you can tell that while they were making Nomadland, it wasn't like, oh yeah, we, we think we're going to win Best Picture. No, we're but with Trial, you can with trial yeah. I don't think Nomadland is the opposite of Oscar bait, but I don't think it is Oscar yeah. bait either. Mm-hmm. I, I was surprised when it won the Golden Globe because mm-hmm. I was like, oh yeah. Because yeah. I mean, it felt so art house and like slow and boring but they I predicted Chloe Zhao to win when which is weird because I wasn't as in tune with what other people were thinking and like following as many people and a lot of people were predicting Fincher because like he's their boy they nominated him for Gone Girl they like Mank and he's a very established career director not saying she's not established I mean she's obviously one of the most respected in the biz but he felt like their guy and he didn't win. Like looking back, I probably would have predicted him. I didn't know anything. So I predicted her just like everyone on Gold Derby was doing it. She was one, but it's weird. And it's the same with Sorkin winning screenplay there. He's just their guy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They gave it to Steve Jobs, even though that film didn't even get a screenplay nomination with that's nuts. Completely nuts. Mm -hmm. I think what you said about David Fincher made sense, but I predicted Chloe Zhao just because of all the director awards. She had won every single one possible prior to that. Mm-hmm. And I didn't think they were going to reward a man with three women nominated in that category. I, and then Chloe Zhao was like the obvious winner. Mm-hmm. So, and, 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 and after that, it was like secured that this is a sweep. But, yeah. but I think that the fact that they didn't like Mank and they didn't, like trial as much as you'd think they did like it but Mm -hmm. it just goes to show that the globes i mean they're kind of gone now are they like done forever Mm, who knows i don't think they're done forever but i think they're going to be gone for a while yeah it's Mm -hmm. certainly not looking too good on their behalf 
-hmm. but uh, The Trial of Chicago 7 is a film that would have won Best Motion Picture Drama most years. It's very much geared to what the Globe's like. It has star power. It's easy to watch. It's about an important, like, story. So it's clearly something that they would reward, which is why I predicted it to win that award. But Nomadland makes sense, too. It's not, like, completely shocking. I mean, they gave Moonlight the award, which is something I think more some people considered. Because that was very... That's not... Because they gave it to It Over Manchester, which, if you look at Gold Derby odds, when the nominations came out, like for nomination predictions, Manchester was expected to win. But then if you look at predictions for the actual awards, something must have changed because Moonlight barely edged it out. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So Just they're not cause... opposed to awarding indies, I guess. But they don't... They, like I, I was just kind of surprised that they didn't go for trial. Mm-hmm. I do have a question. Do you think if neither Zhao or Fincher had one director at the Golden Globes, Sorkin would have? Yeah, <laughs> I do. Just it's, it's the bigger movie. The, the Globes have a track record, track record of giving Best Director to people that weren't nominated at the Oscars. So mm-hmm. that really could have happened, which is... Yeah, like, were they going to give it to Regina King or Emerald for now? No. Like, no. no, I think I agree. I think Sorkin was probably third place mm-hmm. on that. <laughs> they were they were just impressed with the absolutely gorgeous visuals and directing style. Yes, what a vibrant film. I am yeah. never based on his director snub. I am never going to predict anyone that has no visual style, even if they get like a Golden Globe or Critics Choice nomination after this. I can't do that. Yeah, yeah. They're snobby. The times were there. And it was just like, who's going to take its place? Is it going to be Dairy Smarter? Is it going to be Florian Zeller? Then it was Thomas Venterberg. And it's like, okay, guess we have to consider foreign directors because Powell Palakowski. Is that, is oh. that how you pronounce his name? I don't know. but yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. They're much more snobby than the Golden Globes and mm-hmm. are very specific about their techniques and about the films. Mm-hmm. And it makes sense why they didn't love the movie as much. Yeah, although they snubbed Bradley Cooper for A Star is Born, which kind of had a visual style. Yes, but again, it's they're snobby. They don't want to reward a mainstream film as much. Again, they also mm-hmm. snubbed Green Book in that category. Well, and, that good. <laughs> and even though... Not a directory movie. No, but even though it's a it was a Best Picture winner, it just goes to show that they're snobby. Mm-hmm. Driving Miss Daisy, it didn't get a director yeah. nomination. So mm-hmm. they don't like that type of film. They don't recognize it for Best Director. Do you think this was very firmly number two for screenplay? Well, we'll get into that during our Oscar section. Oh, My, okay, okay. Yeah, we'll get into that. My firm answer is maybe. <laughs> maybe? Oh, maybe. Okay. Yeah, so do you want to tie into the questions that people asked us? Or do you have any final remarks on the film itself? Kind of. Uh, let me see, I'm just looking for my notes here. Uh, Rylance. I do think Rylance and Redmayne, actually, are also very good. I, I like Eddie Redmayne's accent. 
That's the only reason I included it. His accent kind of bugged me. It felt kind of forced. I mean, yeah, but I was like, I appreciate that you have, like, a particular accent that doesn't make you sound like Eddie. Like, it felt like, oh, or something. I don't know how to describe it. I liked it. Yeah. As for performances, as I said, each performance is incredibly one note. So one note. We're not we're not diving into these characters' lives in any deep way. So they're all fairly one note. I did enjoy Sasha Baron Cohen's quote unquote comic relief. I thought he was yeah. fun. I liked Frank Legella as the judge. Eddie Redmond was kind of forced to me. Mm-hmm. I didn't, I don't know. It's like, it's very consistent in the acting. They're all kind of the same. I don't have any strong feelings about any member in the cast with regards to their performance here. So, mm-hmm. I mean, this, this doesn't cover the Oscars. The SAG Ensemble win makes sense as much as I hate it. It's yeah. very much the type of film that would win that award. But one, it looks really horrible on their behalf that it was the only movie with an all-white cast that they gave the award. I really hate Ooh, that they did yeah. that. That was not a, 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 it was right there. it was i thought it was going to happen for a split second after you had done Yoon and i was getting so happy about that but they couldn't resist i when you Jung Yoon won i was like are they gonna give because they they denied bakalova they embraced minari but i was just like no the actors are gonna give it to the movie that like has most people in it yeah exactly mm-hmm. and i think this perfectly ties into one of the questions someone asked us about the SAG Ensemble Award. Um, uh, Owen asks, does biggest ensemble equal best ensemble? A question I need answered because this film did not deserve the SAG win. No, it, it doesn't mean best ensemble. I think how the actors work together and the performances themselves and how you know you get a feeling from it they all just sort of flow together and I don't think actors being in the same lots of actors being in the same room necessarily makes a perfect ensemble Mm -hmm. I think it depends on the year and depends on how people are thinking in terms of cinema the whole year because obviously Trial was the biggest one and Black Panther was the biggest one but you have movies like Little Miss Sunshine and Sideways, which only have five, six main actors in the cast. So mm-hmm. it's really interesting when you have a movie like that win SAG, because it really shows that they're appreciating the collaboration and No Country for Old Men too. But obviously you have your Slumdog Millionaires and your Argo mm-hmm. and all that kind of thing winning and American Hustle. So mm-hmm. sometimes it does equal biggest ensemble equals best ensemble to the Screen Actors Guild. But not always, not always. And I love to see it when movies like Parasite win and when Little Miss Sunshine win. That was amazing. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, over, especially over something like Hollywood. That was what kind of gave me hope at the last second for Minari. I was like, okay, this is like, they went with Minari in a category that wasn't totally expected. I think most people were predicting Maria Bakalova. I was. Uh, yeah, I did. Uh, and, I mean, there were some people still holding on hope for, like, one close. <laughs> I saw one person that was like, you know, Helena Zengel could, could do something here. I was like, no, she couldn't. Nope. Nope. Uh, yeah, was she the good in News of the World? I hear she's good. 
Yeah, I don't remember that film at all. If you ask me to tell you this, any any storyline in that film, you could just like I wouldn't be able to answer. But I, I think she was good, mm-hmm. as I can remember. But yeah, I think the SAGs are. I know that they make questionable decisions with their biggest ensemble, but I think that my favorite awards show, out of the, out of the all of the movie ones, just because they enforce diversity and they give it to really good performances. Mm-hmm. I don't like that Marion Cotillard didn't win. That's the one thing they didn't do right. But again, oh, she, did she? No, it, she was that. she was a shocker when she won the Oscar. But that, that's a shocker. Yeah, I know. Crazy. I still need to see this because she's your favorite performance. Yeah, and and she was not expected to win the SAG or the Oscar. She only won the BAFTA oh. before. She was a total surprise. But people, the BAFTA, the one time oh. they made a good decision. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, they uh, narrow one for the Iron Lady, which I am not going to watch. Ah, don't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I loved your review of it though, where you're like the directing, the uh, the writing, the Meryl is good, not her best. The score, bump 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 bump. It's it's one track, not even the whole. The rest of the score is bad, but that one track of the film, so good, so so good. Yeah. Uh, and there, there were other questions, which were there. Yeah, um, Owen also asked, why is Aaron Sorkin still being allowed to make movies? <laughs> I like the, why is he being allowed to make movies? I don't know, man. I, I really don't know. I, to be honest, I don't know. I think he is a little full of himself at this point, where it's like, people are, maybe he really likes his directing style, like, good for him. But, peop, you know, I think at this point, it's kind of weird that he keeps directing his movies i mean being the ricardos is also being directed by him i'm sure it'll have kidman and bardem will be good even though that's a weird casting choices um but i you know molly's game i didn't think was badly directed i thought maybe because it didn't take place in one room that i thought it was a little better it wasn't well directed I think he is a much better screenwriter, and I think there were so many other people to nominate at the Golden Globes. Like Shaka King, uh, I think that, I mean, this Charlie Kaufman from Things of Ending Things never would have happened, but that <laughs> would be, you know, pretty much a lot of people would have been better than him to nominate. And I, I do think it's kind of dumb of him to keep on directing his movies, especially when everyone has been, like one of the main complaints has been, you're not a great director. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with you. Mm-hmm. Nothing to add except people like his writing style. People mm-hmm. like to try on Mahler's game. So I don't know, don't know any yeah. of his future projects. Like when I went to see a screening of Judas and the Black Messiah that was coming back uh, and my stepmom wanted to see it, I was like, okay, I'll go there was this woman talking to this other woman that I don't know if she was friends with or just knew, uh, and said she recognized, you know, this was about Fred Hampton and Fred Hampton was in the trial of Chicago seven. Uh, and she was like, that was a great movie. We said, we watched that twice. And I was like, audience. And I was like, yeah, audiences are going to like this. This is a fast paced movie that appears important. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I agree. Um, last question of Owen, they also asked why, um, wait, okay, so several people asked this question, 
mm-hmm. it isn't just Owen. Um, why Sasha of all the performances here? Why do you think he was the one that was recognized? I think maybe because it's hard to say because he kind of emerged as the the main performance in that movie. He's funny. He's recognizable. He was campaigning for Borat. Mm. I feel like, you know, Langela, I think, would have been a great nomination. Actually, I actually would have been on board with that. Kind of <laughs> you do that page and you're like, oh, what do you think? <laughs> I mean, I, not a, maybe not a great nomination, but a better one than him. Uh, and I think Rylance would have been as well. But I think he had the most showy performance in a way, and that he was funny, he was doing a voice, his hair was crazy. Uh, and it was Sasha Baron Cohen, who won a Golden Globe this year for Borat. So it felt like he was sort of the easiest to push for a nomination. And even though he wasn't really the best in his own movie, let alone the best in the category. And yeah, yeah, and I mean, I would have pretty much nominated anyone else. Maybe particularly Rylance and uh, uh, Langela, I think were better. Maybe he's third in my opinion, but I think they should have gotten, but he has the more showy role basically. Mm-hmm. I think I agree with you. He's definitely the comic relief if there is one he's doing the most. Yeah. And Borat, of course, which I think, yeah. honestly, had a better chance of winning Oscars than the trial, which is really yeah. kind of amazing because it's better. And it yeah, better. I mean, Sasha makes sense to me. I don't have any strong feelings about the performance. If you ask me mm-hmm. to pick a favorite, you could choose anyone, but I guess Sasha was the most fun. So I don't mind him getting on it. He just should not have won the Golden Globe. And he didn't, thankfully. Yeah, I I didn't think that would happen, but a lot of people did, and I was worried. I was just concerned it would be like a Globes thing, but but I was like, Kaluuya is the objectively stronger performance here. Yeah, so (laughs) undeniable. Um, I was going to ask you, which was more a question for you, do you think he really, it really was second in screenplay? You said maybe. Um, again, we, we, I mean, we have a whole segment dedicated to the Oscars, but I really don't know. Oh, is this not the segment dedicated to the Oscars? Oh, well, we, we first answer all the questions that people ask and then we okay, go, and then we go through all the categories and. Okay. Let's yeah. wait for that. Yeah. Okay. So this ties into Valentina's questions. She asked, am I the only one that thinks Sasha Baron Cohen's, Cohen's perf- performance is good but overrated and that Jeremy Strong was the one who deserved to be praised? Uh, I don't even remember Jeremy Strong. I don't know who the movie yeah. <laughs> we played again. He was uh, kind of the sidekick to Sasha Baron Cohen. Like in the, in the, oh, uh, yeah, he was good. I, yeah, I, I, liked, I liked him. I don't know. As a character, I kind of liked him the best. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Yeah, but I, I agree His Sasha's performance is good. I don't really agree that it's overrated because I don't think many people rate it highly, except for the everyone who nominated him, apparently. But there's, I think there's a disconnect between, you know, the Oscars do strange things. And I think it was largely about the campaign and who they were pushing. Mm-hmm. I don't and, think... And person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think he receives that much praise for this performance. I like it. Yeah. He's doing yeah, a very Sasha Baron Cohen-y type of role. It's clearly mm-hmm. aimed for him to showcase a more dramatic side because he's certainly considered, again, the comic relief of the film. And he's a, 
comedian. So his comedic timing, I don't think it fails. It never made me laugh. It probably didn't even make me smile, but it's cheesy. Again, I wouldn't call it overrated. It's never really highly rated to begin with, but it's nothing special. Jeremy Strong is fine. I mean, I don't have any strong feelings about his performance, but I can see where you're coming from with that. I maybe liked his character the most for some reason. Mm-hmm. I can't explain why. He was just the most likable to me. Mm. Yeah. Again, no strong feelings about that. Mm-hmm. This is a movie where it's like, you're like it's nothing to care about. And, mm-hmm. and that's why I don't like it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, question two that Valentina had. Do you think that this movie had more buzz than Molly's Game because the story sells more or because of the all-male cast or all-male plot? Ooh. I think probably the story sells more. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Molly's Game should have been... If Molly's Game came out this year, it definitely deserved to be nominated over it. Um, I think it was also timely in a way when it came to protests. Uh, I think that it's the bigger movie in a way. I mean, you know, it has... It's like, oh, it's about this real-life thing that happened. Now, obviously, Molly, Molly's Game is similar. But it was about one woman, and I think, weirdly, this seemed like a bigger movie in a way that was like, oh, that. You get what I'm getting at here. It's yeah. like Molly's Game, which I thought was great, was kind of refined in a way. Like, it wasn't like, you know, it wasn't big, which, I mean, I liked. I liked this more, much, I liked Molly's Game much more than but on paper, Trial is like the bigger, more important movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know I ramble here, but... <laughs> <laughs> I don't think the all-male cast had an effect in it. And I think the reason why this much movie had so much Oscar buzz was because I noticed that in 2020, obviously this didn't show when the actual award ceremony happened, but a lot of people within film communities started to care about the Oscars a little more. And mm-hmm. the Trials of the Chicago 7 and Mank were... Of course, we talked about the Netflix failures with them. Yep. But they were the first films to really be announced that people sensed a best picture feel in them. And, mm-hmm. of course, because of Trial's initial praise, it had that, that buzz surrounding it. But I don't think it's because of the all-male cast. As you said, it's a story that's more important and protests, and it's about a trial. Yeah. Molly's Game happened to come out in a year where movies were just coming left and right and the best picture category seemed yeah seemed more locked up towards an earlier stage people knew what the nominees were going to be earlier on whereas when the trial of chicago 7 and mank came out people weren't sure so it just goes to show that the year was different in terms of the structure and how the oscars played out at least they didn't give it the three billboards i haven't even seen the shape of water and i'm like great best picture winner i don't care (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Gabe Gorian asks do you think it's Oscar shout out shut out will help its reputation within the following years no I, I, I think it'll ding it more if anything I, I don't think anyone's going to care about this movie I, I think it's such a forgettable like when it first comes out it's like it's the thing right now and then it just slips away these netflix oscar movies don't really get like marriage story somewhat i suppose is remembered uh but again as you said roma is not really remembered no one talks about the irishman except to talk about movies that get shut out 
or to talk about or when they're telling people what their Scorsese movies ranked are. Yeah. But and Mank I think is almost more memorable than this mm-hmm. because I think Mank is you know, it's not just such a such an Oscar y Oscar baby movie. I mean Mank on paper, I suppose, is an Oscar bait movie because it's about Hollywood and Hollywood loves movies about themselves. But it really was like a movie that was like for cinephiles and like that's a three point like five on Letterboxd. Yeah, it was not as acclaimed as expected. This is much more easy. I don't think yeah, I don't think its reputation will change. I think it's gonna stay as it is right now. People don't really talk about it that much. People don't love it, people don't hate it as much as they do on Twitter, at least. It'll mm-hmm. just be like, oh, yeah, that was an Oscar bait movie that was fine. And it, it's like... Yeah. It's what we've seen. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gabe also asks, why do you think there was such an intense backlash to this movie throughout award season? Because I think it was the suspected frontrunner, and people just didn't like to see that kind of bait win. And that's why I was so excited when it didn't win uh, editing. Cause it was like, the edit- sure, the editing was good, but it couldn't keep me awake. Yeah. I mean, I didn't fall asleep, but it, it didn't keep me from being bored when it could have. Uh, and I just am tired of seeing Oscar bait movies like this that get by so easily win. And I think other people are kind of tired of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mean, sure, it was well-received, but it was just like, we've seen it. We don't want this winning again. Like, even if you, you're not crazy for Nomadland that make, or Roma, that makes more sense to give Best Picture to. Yeah. People mm-hmm. want to see bolder, more beautiful, character-driven, directing mm-hmm. movies win big awards instead of your traditional Oscar-type yeah. film. It doesn't do anything terribly groundbreaking. And even though it had audiences' enjoyment and critics liked it more than you'd expect, it had the support. It wasn't as beloved as you'd think. It was just a traditional Oscar-y type of film. The movies that won bigger awards were much more groundbreaking and people appreciated more for their style and uniqueness. Whereas this, people just didn't want to see something traditional win. Yeah, especially for this year. Like, come on. Like, we've just had, like, a very bad year. Do we want to see another Oscar bait movie win? I mean, yeah, exactly. we just had Parasite, which may, maybe we got spoiled after Parasite. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, we we want to see... Because even La La Land, which is kind of trying to get Oscars, it's still, like, a wonderful movie. Like, it's still, like, very, very entertaining and fun. And sure, it's maybe, like, an oscar movie, but it's an Oscar movie most people can get on board with. It, mm-hmm. uh, whereas this was just such, like, a... It's a courtroom drama. It's Aaron Sorkin. It has that feel to it where it's like you want all the awards and people are tired of that. Yeah, there's a difference between good Oscar bait and boring Oscar bait. There are Mm -hmm. films that want to win awards but entirely prioritize the movie itself and having a good story and characters. Like La La Land, you said, and even this year, I love this film dearly, but The Father, I don't think is a completely, like, I don't think it's the complete opposite of Oscar bait definitely has aspects of that but i love that movie so much and i think it's absolutely stunning so i mean i think i think when they hired hopkins they were like we're gonna win it out we're guaranteed one oscar (laughs) yeah and i think you have movies like that that are 
kind of trying to win Oscars, but are really prioritizing the movie itself. But with mm-hmm. Trial, it, it's, as we said, a very traditional Oscar bait movie. Very, very traditional. Um, okay, Dylan asks, if Aaron Sorkin had to direct another, what kind of movie would you like it to be? I'd like it to be a bigger movie in a way. In a way. I mean, as I said, this is like a bigger movie, but what I mean is does not take place in one location mm. because Molly's game wasn't like a like an especially like singular movie like I like Molly's game a lot but I think it's because it wasn't constantly at one place and we weren't constantly discussing the same thing which could be made really interesting but just based on the directing and the writing wasn't so I think if he had to direct another movie, I'd like it to be something where there's just more, like there's more places, there's more people, there are more things. Because this all felt, as you said, very one note. Mm-hmm. I agree, except I don't think he should direct another movie, so I wouldn't I mean, like... No, me <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, Dylan also asks, how does this film compare to other movies that deal with the law and justice system? Hmm. Well, I mean, I think it's slightly comparable to Judas and the Black Messiah just because Fred Hampton's in it. And it kind of deals with that. Uh, And uh, it's referenced in Judas and the Black Messiah at one point. Uh, And I mean, I think if we're like distinctly comparing those films, I know you said like films that deal with the justice system in general but given that it came out you know in the same award season i think it's like and they're kind of you know they highlight each other at points that's what sort of jumps to mind and that handles it so much better because every moment of that movie is just very impactful mm-hmm. the love- writing feels so much more interesting and everything about it is like like overwhelming you with like oh my god where and that's what trial should have been but it feels so laid back just because of its style mm-hmm. it's as I said, it compares in a sense that it's basic audience liking mm-hmm. crowd pleasing spoon-fed version i'll admit i haven't seen that many films that yeah, are about I trials heard. i touched on kramer versus kramer earlier but that's not even a movie yeah. about the justice system entirely um, the biggest one I think of, I think my favorite, aside from 12 Angry Men, which kind of touches on the judicial system, not really, is Judgment at Nuremberg. Um, that film is probably the one that captures the flaws and the benefits of the system relating to a big cultural event um, with the Nazis and fascism yeah. and all that. And it's very natural and has this force of chaotic acting, but it's also impressively subtle. And... It's a really good film. It's really long. I don't know if I necessarily recommend it. It's like three hours. It's completely in one room. Mm-hmm. And it's very good at critiquing the system in a subtle way. It isn't shoving anything in your face. And I thought it was much better than I expected it to be. So that's the one I'm going to compare it to because that's the one I like most that deals entirely with those themes. Where this is just like as you said, so basic when it shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. And then this is a question. I believe it's the oh, last I question. I, I love this question. <laughs> if you could yeah. replace the cast with all females, who would you cast in what roles? 
Oh my god. That's that good that would movie. be a good movie. Please make that. That would be a five get... stars, please. Yeah, no, just for the cast. Uh Meryl would be the judge. Oh, I actually said Tilda Swinton. Oh, okay. Now this is getting so many good picks here. We're just gonna have like our favorite actresses somewhere. Uh, yeah. I okay, so I actually have a whole like I swatched it out. So Sasha Baron Cohen's character and Jeremy Strong, I'd switch them with Maya Rudolph and Kristen Wiig. That would be good. We gotta fit Catherine Zeta Jones in there somewhere. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, Eddie Redmayne's character, I'd put Kate Blanchett. Yes, 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 yes. This is an interesting one. Uh, George, really interesting. I like it. Joseph Gordon-Levitt. I would switch with Nicole Bahari. I don't know oh, why oh, that oh. came to my mind, but I don't. You know, it's just for the fun of it. Michael Keaton, I'd switch with Susan Sarandon. I this this is a movie that would deserve Best Picture. Yes, just for the cast. Yes, and Olivia Coleman with Mark Rylance. Oh, oh yes, 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 yes. I said this isn't totally related. Oh, I, one but... one more, one more pass over. Oh. I think you're gonna like to see. You know how Yaya Abdul Mateen the second has like five minutes and is kind of the best performance in it and should have had more screen time. Yes. I would have put Andrew Day in that role. She would that I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she would have killed it. She's good at starring, being very good in movies that are bad, or at least <laughs> from what we've seen. Yeah. I, did you come up with any cast members? Well, this isn't totally related. What I was about to say, this isn't totally related. But if they do end up doing the Clue remake, if Olivia Coleman isn't Miss Peacock, they should just cancel it. Yeah, they should never do that. That would be illegal. Because that is such perfect casting. Yeah, it is. Uh, yeah, those were all the questions we got. Um, the last questions we got were from Matt. One was about um, Sasha Marin Cohen's performance and where we'd rank him amongst the nominees. We'll get into that when we get to that category. And then this question, I think, ties in perfectly to our Oscar category segment. If Sound of Metal didn't win film editing, do you think that Chicago 7 would have won after its ACE win, or would something like Nomadland win? Yeah, I think Trial would have won. Just It's a fast, cutty movie. I think this is just the year where they embraced films like Sound of Metal and more. Because if it was this year, Sound of Metal wouldn't happen. That's mm. just... It mm-hmm. uh, and I think they kind of just really, they liked the select movies they got. And I think even the Academy kind of got tired of Oscar bait. Uh, I mean, I know that's weird to say because that's their, it's their job to sort of enjoy Oscar bait, but it feels like with Trial not winning anything, I mean, I guess the Irishman didn't win anything, but with Parasite and now, you know, Nomadland in this year, like were there a lot of, I mean, I guess Mank winning production design and cinematography which was gross for the second one. Uh, but otherwise, were there that many Oscar baby wins here? Uh, no, not really. I would say no. But in terms of the editing category, I agree. I don't think it was, if, if Nomadland or The Father or something like that was second place, I wouldn't be surprised. But I'll just say Trial is second place for now after the AC win and the fact that it is fast. Yeah. But Sound of Metal to me was a really interesting choice. 
-hmm. I think that's a very good use of quiet editing and how it plays into the perspective. So I'm glad that got it. I think that's really deserved. But we yeah. all agree promising young woman was last for editing. Yeah, probably. It's just like the trial of Chicago Seven is type of movie that wins editing, but I'm yeah. glad it didn't I'm glad it didn't. I switched my prediction to it after the ACE win. I was like, okay. But then uh then Zach was like, I'm sticking with this and I forget he he said a specific uh they said a specific reason. Uh and they said like uh I forget what they said. They retweeted someone and said Yes, this is the reason I'm sticking with this. And I should have trusted them. I should have trusted them. I just predicted a lot of BAFTA winners. Mm-hmm. I, I got I'm most not things doubting right. the BAFTAs from now. Although, Rachel Weisz didn't win. No, and that... But I know it was only because Regina King was, like, up in the air that year. So I didn't yeah. know, know whether to predict her or not. But Regina King would have won. I, I just think that happened. Yeah, no, she would have won if she was nominated for the SAG and BAFTA easily. Mm-hmm. So... It just didn't know, but Although, as it, does, does that mean even if like Carrie was nominated, she wouldn't have won? Who knows? We'll never know. We'll never know. <laughs> Imagine if Vanessa had won the BAFTA and then just went on to win the Oscar out of nowhere. The amount of people that would be crying of happiness would have been. I honestly wouldn't be here for it. That would have been awesome. Her just like coming out of nowhere. It's like, uh, and some people thought she was gonna win because they were like, everyone else has won something. So (laughs) Vanessa, there was an there's an Oscars Reddit, and someone posted this meme. It's like the mental gymnastics meme where someone's like going over bars and they're like, Carrie won Critics Choice, Viola won SAG, uh, uh, Francis won BAFTA. There's then there's just like the walking meme of everyone else did something different they're gonna do something different here too and it's like this is logic folks yeah it was it was funny but yeah back to film editing again sound of metal deserved don't think we have anything else to cover on that um just going through the categories that it was nominated for our first category aside from editing is best original song Hear My Voice was nominated alongside Husevik from Eurovision, EOC Scene from The Life Ahead, Speak Now from One Night Miami, and your winner, Fight For You, from Judas and the Black Messiah. So would you give the win to Trial, or would you give it to something else? I know your answer. I was giving it to Husevik. Like, screw these serious songs. It was fun. (laughs) Yeah. I I don't like any of the songs here much, except for Husevik. But whatever, I don't care about this category. <laughs> I think it was probably five. I mean, just like no one cared about the song. Everyone else was predicting Speak Now. Uh, I actually yeah. predicted Fight For You, which was weird. You predicted Fight For You? Just because I was so confused and I wanted, and I, I actually don't know if Trial Was Lost just because they usually award like weird songs from Best Picture nominees because they don't care about the songs themselves. And they yeah. liked Judas more than they liked Trial. So I just predicted that, and it was like like even more lucky than my Olivia Coleman win. It was so random. I was shocked yeah, that it won. But I mean, Olivia Coleman was at least number two. You got yeah, number this, four. This yeah, it was weird. But again, no passion about this category. Yeah, I give it to Husevik. Easily Husevik for me as my choice. Um, and then, oh, I forgot to ask. Why, aside from the competition, 
outside of the fact that there was competition, do you think that this film failed to win any Oscars? I think it's likely because when it didn't happen at the Globes and then when it lost Screenplay Critics' Choice, it was like, we like other things more now. Uh, and, you know, Nomadland, it was always between it and Nomadland. Nomadland was probably going to win Critics' Choice and BAFTA. But the fact that they didn't go with their boy, Aaron Sorkin, mm. was like, okay, it's deeply, deeply, deeply screwed. <laughs> yeah, I just think the whole decline in its popularity and praise was the major reason. Yeah, and I think, I mean, especially when it didn't, you know, especially when it lost screenplay at Critics' Choice, and then it was like, maybe WGA, and it lost there, then it's like, okay, is it going to win editing? Sound of Metal starts winning editing. It's a clear, like, path of frontrunner fatigue that I think a lot of things experience when it comes to awards. People are just like, I kind of liked this other thing more now that I think about it. This was a little basic. Yeah, exactly. Um, next category. <laughs> Best cinematography. Oh, dear God. <laughs> Mank won, and The Trial of Chicago 7 was nominated alongside Judas, News of the World, and Nomadland. So, would you give The Trial of Chicago 7 the win here? I would not. <laughs> Ooh. I mean, I said I said Mank winning here was gross, not because it doesn't have good cinematography, but because Nomadland just is Yeah, I like Nomadland the best of these, but my favorite shot films of the year were like Minari and I'm thinking of ending things and another round. So I don't a promising young woman was really well Yeah, it was really well shot too. So I don't I don't love this category. Don't know I mean you made a list of like yeah, exactly. Exactly. Nominations over this. Yeah, it's just not. So, it's not the movie that's particularly striking in the way it's shot at all. It's just bizarre that they would go for this. Mm-hmm. Uh, best supporting actor is next. Uh, mm-hmm. Sasha Baron Cohen was nominated alongside Leslie Odom Jr. for One Night in Miami, Paul Racy for Sound of Metal. Keith Stanfield for Judas and the Black Messiah, and your winner, of course, Daniel Kaluuya for Judas and the Black Messiah. So would you give the win to Sasha Baron Cohen? I would not. I'm actually conflicted on whether or not I would have given it to Kaluuya or Racy, because I think both are really amazing in their mm-hmm. films. And for completely different reasons. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and I think, I mean, I think that Sasha was probably number two because, you know, just based on anonymous balance. I mean, you know, the film was arguably like seven or eight for picture. So if it, so maybe he just didn't get a lot of votes. Maybe it really just flunked there too. But when it comes to anonymous balance, he did have the second most votes. I mean, there was no chance he was going to win over Kaluuya, but, you know. Mm -hmm. I would give it to Paul Racy, Mm -hmm. but this is a, good category i don't think anyone i think kaluuya got every vote possible (laughs) that's that's not true but like very big 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 win not even close sasha baron cohen it's like again it's a good performance i don't think i would have nominated him but it's not like i'm mad about it yeah i mean i don't think it's worth arguing over who's number two because kaluuya was just 
a sweep. Yeah, it was very, very obvious. Mm-hmm. Um, and then best original screenplay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, the Trial of Chicago 7 was nominated alongside Judas, Minari, Sound of Metal, and Your Winner, Promising a Woman. So what would you give the win to Trial? I definitely don't know your answer to this. <laughs> I would not give the win to trial. Uh, I am kind of frustrated that they nominated it over Mank, which I, I, I know that's kind of odd because I don't even know if I would have nominated Mank if I had five slots. But I think that given the two Oscar-y movies that could have been nominated, Mank should have been here o- over it because I liked Mank much more. I don't know. I just like... Either one of them, I don't really care about the script. I don't mm-hmm. care for the script that much. E- mm-hmm. Like, either way, they'd be last in my lineup. But yeah, yeah, definitely not. I think all the other movies here are better. I think they made the right choice with the winner. Yeah. But if not for Promising a Woman, I would have given it to Sound of Metal. So this is I a very... Who I, I think this... Voted. But it is a good category. Mm-hmm. I don't know who would have been like my second choice here. Like maybe Minari, maybe Sound of Metal. Mm-hmm. I I like Judas's screenplay a lot. I can't say it's that memorable. <laughs> I think that uh, Minari and Sound of Metal are like kind of equal for me because Minari's hilarious, Minari's wholesome, and then Sound of Metal has like some great monologues, particularly that one from Racy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, I think we made the right choice. You know. <laughs> yeah. And then finally, Best Picture. It was nominated alongside The Father, Judas and the Black Messiah, Mank, Minari, Promising a Woman, Sound of Metal, and of course, Nomadland, your winner. Mm-hmm. So, again, I know your answer. Would <laughs> you give The Trial of Chicago 7 the win? <laughs> uh, I, I, this might shock you. I wouldn't. Uh, <gasps> <gasps> uh, <laughs> Uh, no, I think that just it's so obvious Oscar bait. And as you said, there's a difference between good Oscar bait and bad, bad Oscar bait. And this so clearly falls into the latter of just or like prioritizing awards over movie. This so clearly is prioritizing awards. Mm. Uh, and I think that, you know, I every other one of these I liked. I, I thought The Father was good. Uh, I, I like... I like Mank, Sumi. Uh, I I really like Sound of Metal and Judas. Love Minari. Uh, love Promising Young Woman. And I think Nomadland for this year makes sense to get Best Picture too. Yeah, I think it's an interesting choice. Mm-hmm. I'm not mad about its Best Picture win, and I think you know obviously my my, my favorites in this category are Promising Young Woman and The Father and Sound of Metal, but. Mm-hmm. Trial is last for me. I, I used yeah. to have Mank last, but as we've said, I, I've thought a lot more about Mank, and I think it's, I'm not going to remember either for very long, but I think Mank has more to it that's interesting, whereas Trial is just a moment mm-hmm. of the past. Totally, so totally. those are my I mean, bottom I, two, but, but I like the rest. I really like Mank. I, I stand by that. I, I was not as... Maybe it's because it was the first one I watched, and I watched it kind of in a theater in an auditorium, and I was like, "This is good. I'm into this." I Amanda Seyfried is hot. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's fine. It's just not yeah. passionate about it. But yeah, Nomadland, good choice. 
Good and point, yeah. there are other films in here that I love too, but Trial is just not the type of movie that I'd ever give the win in this category. Yeah. I'm just tired of, I mean, <laughs> I like the consistent streak of giving it, because we had Moonlight, and then it was like, okay, we're going to give it to Roma, then we gave it to Green Book. We're going two for two now. Mm, yeah. Maybe, maybe it'll start a weird trend where this year an Oscar bait movie will win and the next year we have three <laughs> and the next three years <laughs> it just keeps piling up and up. Of course. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll have to wait and see for that. But we'll I think we, we, that, we yeah. both agree on the movie a lot. We didn't have any major mm-hmm. disagreements. It's fine for me. I think you like it a lot less than I do. I just think it's kind of okay. Um, it should not have won on anything. We agree that yeah. the Oscars made the right choice in terms of not I don't think it. I would have nominated it for a single thing. Me neither. I understand why it was popular. It was a crowd pleaser. I'm surprised it didn't win the Golden Globe uh, just because that's their thing. Uh, and I understand why a lot of people liked it, but I'm just so tired of seeing stuff like that win that I feel that gives me the feeling that it's not really trying. And maybe what you said about it being written so many years ago i mean did they did they update the screenplay at all maybe i i don't know about that but either way yeah you you go i feel like sasha baron cohen even though he it was like right off of borat he still would have been cast but uh yeah i agree with you i think it makes sense that it got shut out yeah. I don't think it was a clear front runner in any category, mm-hmm. at least towards the end of the award season. We both agree, not glad it didn't win anything. Mm-hmm. I, I also am with you, don't think it should have been nominated for anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just, it's fine, it's whatever, mm-hmm. but there are many other mm-hmm. great films that deserve to make it more. So, where can people find you? What social media are you on? Uh, I am on Twitter at Kid Soccerides, Letterboxd of the same name. The name is weird to pronounce, uh, but uh, fine, fine. S-O-C-A-R-I-D-E-S, if you want to look there. Yes, I am on Twitter at Sam the Parasite, Letterboxd at Sam Meltzer. Please review and rate this podcast on whatever podcast service you use. Thank you, Nate, for joining me. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next week.